Welcome to Speak Up Talk Radio. I am your hostess, Pat Rulo, and today I'm just thrilled to share a recent Firebird Book Award winning author with you. The book is by David Petrovic, and the book is titled Expect a Miracle, Understanding and Living with Autism. Having autism and Tourette's, David has powered through struggles and bullying to come to a place of peace and fulfillment. Though virtually nonverbal until age three and the product of early special education, David graduated cum laude from Notre Dame College in 2015. He earned a BA in middle childhood education with concentrations in social studies and language arts. He is currently a junior high teacher at a Catholic elementary school in a suburb of Cleveland, Ohio. He completed his master's degree in pastoral theology in 2020, and he aspires to teach theology in a high school setting, and he is furthering considering a vocation within the Catholic clergy. He wants to help others understand and accept autism and diversity, both personally and professionally. He has become a national speaker, including presenting a TEDx talk in 2016. He co-authored this book with his mother, Sandy, and they both contribute articles to various magazines and blogs. And besides placing first in two categories in our October 21 Firebird Book Awards, both in Parenting and Family and Inspirational Motivational, the book Expect a Miracle is also a Gold Level Mom's Choice Award winner. And we have so much to talk about today, so welcome, David. Thank you, Ms. Pat. I appreciate it. Thank you for having me. Oh, my gosh. My pleasure. I've been so excited to have this conversation with you. And what's especially neat is that we're local. We live in the same city, and we didn't even know each other. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's the way it goes. You know, in uh, like small-town-type communities, you, have, you hear of people even if you don't know them. Yep. Yep. Well, I'm happy we had this opportunity, and congratulations on winning the book award. Yeah, I appreciate it. Thank you. Yeah. Yes, yes, yes. You're welcome. Now, listen, your book, it's a sneak peek into the world of your family and of you living with autism. I'm wondering, was there something along the way in particular that sparked the idea for you and your mom to write this book? Well, I mean, it all goes back to where I, in high school, was going through a lot of growing pains is what I like to call them because you go through the ups and downs of life and as a young person you're trying to navigate different corners different trajectories and recognize what different paths you may go down and I found myself through a series of events you know like presenting because I went to a Catholic high school so I found myself just sharing just a little bit of my story of what was going on back at that time to some of my peers, some kids in the lower grades, and through the encouragement of several faculty members, I ended up, you know, doing a motivational speaking in various places to various audiences, but particularly with youth and finding how impactful my speeches were on them through their reactions and through their parents' communications with my parents, um, that they, they were able to reach out to them, and recognizing the true potential that my story could have on people young and old of different backgrounds and scenarios, you know, all over the country, potentially all over the world. Um, it was my father 
believe it or not, who had been encouraging my mother and I for years prior to that to write a book because, as he put it, you know, we do have a unique story, you know, with the combination of the parent perspective and the child perspective, we could put forth a lot of insight as well as bring about a great deal of inspiration and hope and uh, determination for those, you know, living with autism. And then how it stuck with me, I was then inspired to write this book, not only for those on the autism spectrum, but those going through any hardship, mm -hmm. any heartbreak, any, you know, wherever they're at in life. And so with that being said, my mom and I, my freshman year of college, she took a leave from her work as a registered nurse. And, you know, at the same time I was going to college, we spent all of my collegiate career writing the first edition of our book, um, Expect a Miracle, A Mother-Son Asperger Journey of Determination and Triumph. That was our first edition. And from there, I was able to go on and do motivational speaking and um, travel a good deal and as I became a professional and a junior high teacher and got more in-depth into the professional world, my mother and I then had the inspiration to then combine the personal as well as the professional. And with our second edition, which is what you just shared with my recent award winner, Expect a Miracle, Understanding and Living with Autism, by including two additional chapters on what life as a teacher is like, life in the workforce, the ups and downs, navigating it. What were the mistakes that I made? What are some things I've learned and how have things benefited me? But what have some hindrances been that I needed to battle through on the work level or on the mental and emotional level, spiritual even? Mm -hmm. And from there, that's what I was aiming for in terms of being able to get out on a broader scale the idea to families and loved ones and professionals and teachers of those on the autism spectrum. And for me personally, uh, just for those uh, going through, again, with any type of difference or any type of blockade that has come their way, that they can take uh, themes lessons and values from my mother and I's story, our family story, and can navigate around the obstacles or burst through them, break them down in order to find ways to propel themselves and their loved ones, family member and those around them to new opportunities, new perspectives and new insights about what living with autism truly is like. Oh. You know, it's a beautiful, beautiful story out of a, a difficult life, but you've made this such a beautiful gift to others and so inspiring in all that you have accomplished. It gives everybody hope. And as you said, regardless of what a person is going through, and especially during these times, David, um, just everybody's kind of in a, a little bit of a difficult mental state. And so to see how you can or how you did burst through this makes this book such a gift to everyone. And as you were speaking, you mentioned that it took your collegiate career for you and your mom to write this. I'm wondering about the the writing process because both of you had like a switching of voice. How did you collaborate on this? Well, um, relaying all the details and information about what transpired throughout our lives, you'll notice that like the first like quarter of the book is more of my mother's perception because she 
that during when I was born in my toddlerhood years, years that are still a little fuzzy to me that I can't quite remember. So that, that's definitely where you get the mother's perspective in terms of the, you know, uncensored realities of what it was like to raise a child with developmental disabilities. And I put that in quotes and I'll explain more about that later. But in terms of, yeah, the struggles, the ups and downs the setbacks, the the limitations that I was presenting, like not being able to talk until I was nearly three years old and getting enrolled in speech therapy, my outbursts, my, you know, my, dis I mean, if anyone has ever come across the screaming toddler in a mall or in the grocery store, I was that, and maybe even far surpassing that from what I've heard in my, of uh, what I was like in my childhood. But from there, um, when my mom wrote her part, I was able to read her part. And then without, if I, even if I didn't, I just wrote down what I remembered in those early years. Mm -hmm. But then when we got, when we get to the events of my life, the highs and the lows that um, are very much remembered, very much fresh. And it's some, some specific memories, especially of bullying, prejudice, heartbreak, you know, just low self-esteem, low self-worth and value that, you know, that twinge quite a bit, you know, and those were the emotional parts that were difficult more than anything, even more than writing it because you relive certain memories. It can set you back a little bit if they consume you too much. Mm -hmm. So my mother and I always had to make it a point to when, when those emotional blockades came up, to recognize that this, yes, this was a, a hard point in life, but still that this is what got me to where I am today. So being quite therapeutic, mm -hmm. writing all this stuff down, speaking the truth, not just our truth, which is commonly said, but I mean the truth because we both lived it, but also in the sense of maybe my mom had a different perspective on something that was different from me. And so she could have a better understanding of what I was going through during certain times in my life. And therefore I could have a greater understanding about what she was going through at the times that maybe I didn't even recognize mm -hmm. because, you know, parents, you know, being the super specimens that they are, <laughs> uh, they, they, you know, they, they arrive and show up for their children and that whatever they're going through, they deal with in the in the dark mm -hmm. behind closed doors mm -hmm. um mostly mm -hmm. and so with the writing my mother and i you know as co-workers co-authors you know we were also able to our relationship was always that of a strong mother-son bond and now at this point in my life you know we were able to develop you know now like a strong friendship of sorts that has its boundaries yes no because sure. we are still mother and son but how we do have more of an open communication how we're actually able to talk more about our respective lives um from past you know our hopes for the future what's going on now and the sense of how we can have a deeper understanding of one another because we spend all that time relaying all these nitty gritty details, insights, and perspectives. And therefore building off of one another, uh, being there for one another, all with the greater purpose of also, again, trying to enlighten 
make sure we word everything correctly, making sure that we weren't um, bringing someone else down or a certain group of people down that we didn't want to necessarily call them out. And how we were also able to broaden our minds, broaden our writing skills, which have brought about major benefits in our respective careers and how in our personal lives we can just have a common understanding of one another and just be open and in terms of listening to one another and giving each other the chance where if we had a disagreement or if we had a conflict, we can give each other the space to collect ourselves make sure our wordings are properly aligned so we express what it is is really on our conscious and then that's how we're able to find the solution and therefore move on so writing the book benefited us professionally personally on all different mm -hmm. levels of humanity one could potentially bring about I oh, should say. absolutely what a very very special relationship the two of you have um, especially because of writing this and collaborating on it. And I would imagine, as you said, it gives you a lot of growth between the two of you. I'm sure, though, there's some instances where young people growing up with some of these difficulties maybe don't have parents like you did. And, and how do they navigate through this? And maybe that's where you come in and your book comes in and you're, you're speaking for those who maybe do not have that kind of family support to realize that there are people out there to support them. Well, and that was a recent revelation that I had last night, actually, Pat, that because especially me working in a Catholic elementary school, that's where I'm currently employed, where I also get exposure to the little ones, the little kids. And as a society as a whole, how often do we truly underestimate the minds of our young ones? Because if you take a child with who has been diagnosed with specific learning differences or quote-unquote disabilities, autism, or uh, we'll just focus mainly on that and that's where I'm coming from. But to have a person with a medical degree and who little kids look at in terms of, okay, this doctor with the stethoscope around his neck and a white lab coat, you know, he knows what he's talking about. He can determine what my future will be like. For doctors to dwell on the potential limitations. And note I say potential, because with autism, it's the sense of, okay, it's very likely that these things won't happen, but if a doctor words it in the sense of this child, your child, will not do certain things, whether it's like will not talk, will not hold a pencil the right way, will not be able to go to a regular school, will not go to high school, will not go to college, will not have a job. How for a little one, it's days in their brain. And maybe, just maybe, what I was thinking last night, could that be a form of sabotage for children with differences like autism, where maybe they have all these dreams and all these abilities within them, but if they hear from an accomplished individual like a doctor, or maybe even their parents or their loved ones or respected adult in their life, that they will not measure up to the same potential as their typical peers, who's to say that the child is just not putting forth the maximum amount of effort to learn all these skills as he would have before he um, got wind of all these possible deficits that he would have that kind of forged their 
it was a self-fulfilling destiny in a way. So why do doctors always have to dwell on the possibilities of what they shall not be able to do when all families and all children and parent dynamics are different? And with different people, there are different drives of the inner spirit. Who's to say that a child with autism upon diagnosed with autism they could very well be able to learn to speak. They could learn to write. They could, down the road, be able to mainstream into a typical school like their typical peers. Maybe not to the same extent or to the same timeline as their typical peers, but as I've said in my um, motivational speaking talks to various audiences, whether it's youth or parents or professionals, there must always be expectations. Because especially in a world where it's maybe, you know, human nature to always dwell on the what the child could potentially not do when a child is diagnosed with a disability, why can we not instead just choose a different path or a different way that may take a little longer? But if we keep the child out of it and keep motivating them and keep inspiring them, then they may start off slow, but then they could just take off. So being able to recognize that a child has some kind of difference, it is my hope and prayer that the parents, the medical professionals, or the professionals of all aspects, the peers, the teachers, the siblings, the members of the family, can, when they get a, di a life-changing diagnosis like that, because it is life-changing at times, you know, it, it, it is not a straight path. There are twists and turns and ups and downs and hills and valleys. But if we can word a diagnosis or a potential, you know, um, detour in one's path, it should be toward that of great hope great positivity, endurance, perseverance, and determination to make the best of the path of one's life and to not compare one's path to others. Mm -hmm. So it should be that under the common, you know, umbrella category still that every life in this world has purpose. You know, there is a difference between ability and purpose. We all have different abilities. This world, we can do things that a lot of other people can, but when it comes down to it, everyone has purpose and every child should have the, uh, every person, any age, I should say, should have the opportunities, the tools and the potentials, the resources to make the best out of a situation. So that regardless of what they're diagnosed with or where they come from or who's in their corner, that they can give it their all instead of potentially be sabotaged by respected figures or authority figures or even parental figures maybe. That, you know, to, to take things around and twist them from the slightest change of a wording could turn from a self-fulfilling prophecy on the negative end to more of a self-fulfilling prophecy on the positive end. I'm taking notes as you're, as you're speaking, and I wrote self-fulfilling prophecy, and, and you just wrapped it up with that. Yes, why should anyone dare to utter any kind of 
words to anyone, regardless of what age, that could put them down. And you talk about typical peers, and I wonder, what is a typical peer? I mean, why why do we have to compare anyone to somebody who is typical? And then next, why are differences feared? I mean, why can't we embrace the fact somebody is different? Well, I think that's quite special because there's something unique about you that needs to be explored, that needs to be shared. I think it's exciting. I mean, it is my belief that there's a reason why they call it difference. Because one then has the potential to make a difference. Mm -hmm. Is what I share in my motivational speaking talks, especially to youth as well. Youth is truly... In terms of why I love, you know, speaking to all different audiences, the youth truly are my bread and butter because all the hardships and heartbreaks that I've gone through in my life is when I was in middle school, high school, and going through bullying and low self-esteem, self-loathing even, how and how I was able to, um, again, come out on the other side of that, which I'm very grateful to because, I mean, um, the tragic reality is that a lot of youth, especially now with the awareness of mental and emotional health, and as much awareness has been brought about, people still feel quite alone. Um, that this is still an, an onward journey that we're going on. So it is my hope, and especially you know with these recent awards, you know that I just won, and getting my my story out there. It is always my hope to try to reach as many people as I can, but especially young people, mm-hmm. in the sense of validating for them their beauty, worth potential and purpose as individuals and how we underestimate what young people go through. Like as I was talking about in you know what we were just talking about in terms of expressing, you know, certain potentials for our little ones, create the self-fulfilling prophecy. It shows the power of words, how words do leave an impression or a mark. And how as we as humans get older, we do such a great job of hiding it. Because that's especially what I went through when I was in school. I hid, you know, what was going on, you know, my heartbreak and hardships in my life. And I tried to bury it all down and wear a mask at school. I guess put on a smile, make it seem like everything was okay. And now as a teacher and knowing that I went through that, it is my hope to, as a, as a teacher, as a speaker, just I want to be able to, again, convey to these young men and women in middle school and high school who may be going through these things, that regardless of what they're going through, that they are loved, again, that they are valued, that they're not alone in whatever they're going through, and to assure them that they have it within themselves to be everything that they are capable of being, and that they are worth it, that contrary to what they may be being told, that they're not a waste of space or that they're not, you know, making things more difficult for someone or that they're not living up to the expectations of their family members or trying to follow in the shadows of maybe their siblings. And it's the hope, again, that as, uh, to quote the words of Mr. Fred Rogers, you know, for every child to know that they are precious. You know, you are so beautifully eloquent. I could see how your public speaking just takes off. And being a teacher in a school gives you the opportunity to allow your students and their parents to walk in your shoes. And I imagine that in and of itself would give them hope and inspiration regardless of what they're going through. That that is the hope that 
but I, I try to, especially in the world we're living in, I just try to take things day by day. And with whatever kind of people I come across and whatever environment I find myself in, and, you know, where we are currently in the midst of a society where they will, me being a social studies teacher, it'll probably come about in a textbook where a whole unit, not even a whole chapter, a unit in our future history textbook that we will teach our children will be about COVID. And not just the illness itself, but the mental effects, mm-hmm. the political effects, the almost like the, the constant back and forth of the human spirit to severely wound the morale of our nation and everybody within it, since it's the people that make up the nation. Uh, it, it's the sense of just doing everything within my power to, you know, to, to just to be a decent human being. You know, I, I, my, one of my favorite movies is, you know, Forrest Gump or just, or movies, you know, where there tend to be like, those with special needs and learning differences. It's during these troubled times where I actually accentuate my special needs even more in terms of the positive aspect of just trying to love every single person I come in contact with, regardless of race, ethnicity, sexual orientation, physical, mental, or emotional disability or difference, uh, uh, just socioeconomic status, you know, opportunities, you know, location, because I mean, today is Martin Luther, today of all days is Dr. Martin Luther King Day that we are doing this interview, Ms. Pat. And one quote that I just posted on my social media is, you know, I choose to love. Hate is far too great a burden to bear, mm-hmm. in the words of Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. So, so just so that's when I, you know, my childish spirit may come about when I'm at work or just in my personal life, meeting random strangers or seeing my friends. It's just being, you know, I've embraced my comfort level and my security and being able to, you know, maybe accentuate my special needs mind a little bit more to just express care, compassion, sympathy, and empathy to just people from all walks of life, especially now that I'm vaxxed and boosted and, you know, how I can now like truly which is a form of therapy for me to embrace my loved ones and friends and family members. And in my motivational speaks, anyone who, you know, wants to reach out to me, I can then also reach out to them and knowing that we're both safe and secure and healthy. And to, But to just truly capitalize on the fact that maybe what we people of differences, whether it's autism, Down syndrome, uh, cerebral palsy, people in wheelchairs or kids, you know, again, with certain deficiencies, what we may lack in abilities, we make up for in affection, mm-hmm. love, uh, just, just, you know, uh, smiles, kind words, you know, endearing qualities where no matter what's going on around us or what kind of people are in front of us and how people have treated them, we can, you know, just hopefully lift them up by being able to just extend our arms or our circle to allow them in and to just be able to give them a chance to be their true selves, regardless of what society could place on them. I have to tell you that just through this short conversation, 
all of that comes through. You are so endearing and I feel the love from you and for you just during this short conversation. So God bless you and all you've been through and your mom and your family and what you are doing for others. It is, it is truly, truly a gift. And, you, and your book, I'm so happy that we had this opportunity to talk about this just for a moment. There's obviously a whole lot more to talk about. And I know you do public speaking. So maybe if you would share anything you want folks to know as far as websites, how to contact you, where you do speaking, and just kind of wrap us up that way. Uh, thank you, Pat. So with that being said, yeah, just um, uh, my motivational speaking, I've had the great opportunity uh, to do a TED Talk, TED TEDx Pittsburgh in 2016, which is also on YouTube, um, you know, to check that out. Um, and truly, I've, I've had the amazing opportunity to speak to audiences of teachers, professionals, education conferences, autism conferences. My mother, you know, because especially her being one of the chair people at the Milestones Autism Conference um, here in, in, in Cleveland, as well as for me, and of course, my bread and butter, I call it in terms of motivational speaking, that truly, you know, lifts my spirits and brings me the most fulfillment of what I love doing, you know, speaking to the middle school and high school students to be able to, to be that person or miracle for them that I wish I had gotten when I was their age in terms of expressing and validating their value and their worth and their potential and to know that they have gained, even though I don't know them and I just met them. Uh, for them to know that they have gained one more person in their life who's rooting for them, who's praying for them, and who wants to see them become all that they're capable of being. And so with that, um, for anybody listening who's a who are principals in middle schools and high schools or educators or those um, in hospitals or those involved in any youth programs or those who are involved in, you know, organizing any education conferences or community outreaches, of whatever kind, it is my hope that by going to my mother and I's website, www.aspergermiracles.com, by purchasing our book, Expect a Miracle, Understanding and Living with Autism, and by getting a sense of what I bring to the table and how I reach out to my various audiences, it is my hope that they will give me the opportunity to come into their uh, environments and go to their audiences and convey a message that they have it within them to be the best that they are capable of being, regardless of age, race, gender, sexual orientation, physical, mental, or emotional differences, no matter what they've done, who they are, or what they've gone through, that they can be the light in someone else's darkness. So again, you can check out www.AspergerMiracles.com in the hopes of reading our book, you know, reaching out for a, a potential speaking engagement, but all for the greater purpose of being able to make an impression on the lives of professionals, patients, students, you know, churchgoers, people from all different walks of life to solidify and validate that we need not compare ourselves to others, but to go forward with our heads held high in the sense of that we have it within ourselves to lead this world 
in some way better than when we found it because of who and how and what we were created to be. And therein lies the first word of your title, expect, expect a miracle, understanding and living with autism. We need to expect that we can do whatever we set our hearts and minds to do, and you are the inspiration. And so we are speaking with uh, David Petrovic, the book, it was written by he and his mom, Sandy Petrovic, expect a miracle, understanding and living with autism. And the website again is aspergermiracles.com. David, you are, you were just a blessing and, and a beautiful soul. And I thank you so much for sharing you and your life and your book with us today. Thank you for the opportunity, Ms. Pat.